Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast where we are all about inspiring wellness in the digital age. Let's get going. Welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast with me, your host, Sebastian Slovin. I am so excited for this episode. Um, You know, at Nature Unplugged, we are hugely passionate about the importance of mental health, and that's a big reason why we do what we do. Uh, And, you know, our focus is a lot of times on the preventative side of things, you know, the upstream side of things. Um, And while that's super important, it's also very important to know what to do in a mental health crisis. Uh, our guests today are from the from the San Diego Suicide Prevention Council. Yeni Palomino and Laura Kayanen are here to share about the importance of suicide prevention and provide some tips and tools for how to be prepared in a mental health crisis. And uh, we're just going to learn more about also the amazing work they do. So Laura and Yeni, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. So before we jump in, I'm going to I'm going to share your bio so people have more of a sense of, of who y'all are, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So Yeni, I'll start with you. Yeni Palomino is Vice President of Community Health and Engagement at Community Health Improvement Partners. CHIP is the acronym. Palomino has extensive work experience dating back to 2003 in addressing the issues of environmental justice and public health in underrepresented and underserved populations in San Diego. Palomina has worked on issues relating to behavioral health since 2014 and currently serves as lead facilitator of San Diego's San Diego County Suicide Prevention Council. And Laura Cannon is the program manager for Community Health Improvement Partners, CHIP, and the San Diego County Suicide Prevention Council. Laura has spent the last six years working at CHIP, previously serving as program coordinator, program assistant, and intern. You've done sort of all the, all the things. And she became a certified QPR, a question, persuade, and refer trainer in 2015 and oversees the training program for San Diego County with over 22,000 individuals trained since 2011. She is also, she's an applied, uh, she's also an applied suicide intervention skills training or assist instructor, instructor. Laura received her bachelor's in biological sciences from UC Irvine and her master's of public health from a national university. Uh, and I, I just, on a personal note, you know, I'm really grateful for the, this, for you both being here. I've known you two for a little while now. I've been um, involved in the Suicide Prevention Council. And as some of the listeners may know, I lost, this is a subject that's very personal to me. I lost my dad to suicide when I was young. Um, and I know how, how important this work is and how difficult this work is, how it's, you know, so tough to, to be doing what you're doing and it's so critical. So for a variety of reasons, I'm very grateful to be having this conversation and I'm grateful for you being here. I want to say that um, I did mention that this is, this can be a difficult thing to listen to. And so if you are listening to this and you feel, if you're feeling like thoughts of suicide or you or a loved one is. Um, there are a lot of resources out there. We're going to share more, but just I want to share this up front that the Suicide Prevention Lifeline 
This is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you're in San Diego County, that also works. You can also call the San Diego Access and Crisis Line, which is 888-724-7240. Um, okay, a lot of info up front. Anything else though on the, like any uh, sort of resources that would be good to share up front? I think that's definitely the main one. And, you know, okay. we'll definitely share more as we continue the conversation, but that's the one at the top of the marquee for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I want to, I would, so I read your bios, but I'd love to hear or learn a little bit more about, you know, who you are and what brought you to, to doing this work. So Yenny, how about we start with you? Can you just share a little bit more about your, your background and how you came to work um, in like this world of community wellness and suicide prevention? Definitely. Um, so I'm actually born and raised in Los Angeles and uh, South LA, actually. And so, you know, growing up, um, I actually got bused out into East LA. And so um, I never knew that the communities that I lived with, you know, were uh, what now we know as disadvantaged or, you know, under-resourced. That was just sort of my daily life. And when I got to sort of step out of that, got to go to, you know, UC Santa Cruz for um, my bachelor's and then ended up actually moving back to LA, I got this opportunity to really start to look at the community in a new way. I learned so many things about, you know, um, living with different people, living in different areas and come to realize that the communities that I was living in, I'm like, wow, they really did struggle. And so, you know, this innate nature when I was in school to like start to figure out how could I help my community? How could I make the place where I grew up a little bit better? And so that's kind of what started my path in like community wellness and just improving communities overall. And that path sort of took me down into San Diego um, where I started working on environmental justice issues. Um, and that with in turn kind of started letting me really get to know San Diego a little bit better, started getting to understand what was the concerns that were happening here. And then I got an opportunity to work with community health improvement partners to create um, a resident leadership academy, which was basically to train residents to help them make some improvements in their community. And funny enough that as I'm working with community, I'm realizing that they actually are having a lot of issues with mental health that are affecting the way that their communities are impacting them. So it's like all these negative effects are not just impacting what we see as they don't have jobs, they don't, you know, they're struggling with school, but it's also a mental impact that was happening to them. And so I was able to do some work and get trained as a, as a applied suicide intervention skills trainer in 2012. And that really sparked my interest in suicide prevention. And my organization had an opportunity for me to be able to go become a, a trainer for that. So I did a train the trainer back in 2012. And since then, um, I've done over 10 trainings. I'm now a master trainer in applied suicide intervention skills training. Um, I was offered the opportunity to be able to run the council and support all of its um, different aspects. And that, you know, it was interesting because I was working in it for about five years, thinking to myself that, wow, I don't really have any direct personal connection to suicide, but it matters to me to help others, right? And then all of a sudden, in one of the trainings, um, a suppression like memory came up where it actually turns out that when I was in high school, I had a girl that had a suicide attempt. Um, and, you know, this might activate a few people. So, um, you know, just want to warn, warn folks. 
But while I was in high school, um, I actually had a girl that had a suicide attempt. And I was the one that people called one of the kids that knew she was doing that at school, called me and said, you know, you need to help stop her from doing doing that. She's about to suicide. And so I ran in to help, not knowing what I was getting myself into. I'm 15 years old. Um, I actually ended up getting hurt in the process myself because she didn't want me to interrupt her. Um, and we ended up not speaking after that. And she didn't talk to me. She was very upset with me because I basically called in campus and, you know, staff and everybody. And so it turned into a major thing. And so it was something that had impacted me so much without realizing it, that I had suppressed it and hadn't thought about it in like over 10, 15 years. And then all of a sudden it just kind of like brought it all up. And what I've realized is that that's where it happens the most. It's with friends and family and people that you know. Um, because right. since I've been doing this work now for 10 years, I can tell you that I've helped more people in my personal life than I would directly, than I would say I've been able, like, you know, I, I, what feels like the bigger picture for me where I'm like, wow, what I do really helps every day because my family, my friends will actually call or I can recognize a sign and say, are you thinking about suicide? And they'll say, oh, that's your job talking. But then they'll break down and say, but you know what? It's true. I have wow. been thinking about it. And so that's why I do the work that I do, because, you know, it really it really does matter with the people that you love and care about the most. Yeah, that's I mean, that's it's amazing background. And and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. It's also I mean, I found it incredible that you had been doing this sort of work for for a while. And it that that memory was sort of like not at the forefront, you know, that it, I think that's very common too with with things with with suicide and mental health stuff it sort of just gets for a variety of reasons i think gets sort of yeah, pushed aside it, it's very cultural too you know i right. i grew up as a, a catholic latina um where you know we didn't the suicide conversation was something that i wouldn't say it was taboo it was literally just you know um we don't do that. God gave you life. God will take your life. You don't get to interrupt that sequence. And right. for whatever reason, it was just something that at a young age you're told and you accept or, you know, and then you challenge and then it's challenged if you, if your thoughts go against that. And so that's where people struggle. In most cases, if it doesn't, then you just like me, I was just like, yeah, that's just what it is, you know, but for many people, when they struggle, it's like, no, that's not how it is for me. And, and are there any other options? And the beauty of that now is that as we've been working with faith communities in the Suicide Prevention Council, we've been able to work and get to the point where um, a lot more faiths are understanding that people can have a space where they can be thinking about suicide and that they can get additional help to what they're getting from the church, you know that they can get some additional support from mental health services if needed and that it's not a sin and that they, you know, can still have a full faith experience and have um, mental health, you know, issues and concerns. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's more we can talk to you about that. I want to bring Laura into the mix as well. Um, similar question to you, Laura, could you just share a little bit more about your background and then how you got involved with, with CHIP and with the Suicide Prevention Council? Sure. Um, so as mentioned in the bio, Sebastian um, just shared, uh, my background is in biology because growing up, um, I always knew I wanted to do something that was helping others. And that route was always in my mind, healthcare. So of course, get your biology degree, become a doctor, and you're going to be involved in health. Um, but when I got to the point of graduation, 
um, I realized that kind of route wasn't for me and I wanted to kind of explore more of those options. So um, after four years in Irvine, I moved back to San Diego and was kind of at this um, exploration phase. And um, I found an opportunity to work with Community Health Improvement Partners or CHIP as an intern. And this was more of a learning um, a learning opportunity for me rather than a job that I wanted to pursue right at the beginning. However, after getting immersed into what CHIP has to offer, so community health um, throughout the entirety of San Diego County and all different aspects of health, um, it was very clear to me that this was exactly what I wanted to do because um, growing up and even to this day, I think treatment and getting to the hospital or getting to a clinic is what one would think of when they think of their own health. So kind of at the very um, end of their rope um, when that when that happens. But with CHIP, it's really kind of exposed that health happens in your homes, in your places of worship, in your schools. And that's what it really kind of clicked for me, that public health and community health was something that I wanted to do. And um, getting into suicide prevention was more of a chance opportunity. Um, it was one of the departments that I first got to work with as an intern, and it became um, such an eye-opener for me because here in San Diego, uh, there are so many people working on suicide prevention and mental health efforts, and they're working together, um, which was amazing because I'd never seen that kind of collaboration before. And everyone knew each other and everyone wanted to work toward this common vision of preventing suicide. So um, kind of following that internship opportunity, um, I was blessed to be able to receive the um, position offer for a program assistant. And in that same time, I decided to pursue my master's in public health. So um, it's been about six years now since um, all of that was said and done. And um, I always thought, you know, I never had that pure connection to suicide or um, mental health because, oh, you know, I hadn't lost somebody the way that, you know, traditionally people would come out and share. But um, the more I got into the work, the more I knew and the more knowledge that I gained, it was actually more of, am I suppressing it? Similar to Yeni's story. Um, you know, I grew up in a Filipino-American family. Both my parents were in the military, so it's very tough as nails. You know, you know, don't show too much emotion, you know, get through it, work through it, um, and then just kind of power through. Um, but um, similarly, in my personal life, there were a lot of things going on um, with my immediate family where now mental health and suicide were actually talked more often. And I had that knowledge base to be able to, you know, be someone that they could talk to um, when they were facing those challenges of suicide ideation and or mental health. So um, my biggest takeaway from this position and being involved in community wellness and suicide and mental health is that it's not just going to be a professional um, hat that I'm wearing. It's also going to spill over into my personal life because um, as Yeni also said too, you know, this may happen more oftentimes in, you know, our own family, our own friends, our own social networks, rather than who we serve or who we directly impact um, between our nine to five role. Um, so that's just a little bit of the background um, that I have, but um, kind of growing up in this kind of military culture too, um, it's also kind of exposed, you know, there are probably a lot more things going on within my own family and within the own their own um, well-beings that I hadn't even been aware of because they might've tried to push through these difficult times and having this um, opportunity to work with priority population that prevention and counsel work has really just uh, made it more closer to home than ever. But um, I'm very grateful for kind of just happening to find this role, this position, and uh, led me to this path of um, community health and being a public health um, figure here in San Diego County and leading us to even connect with community members like yourself, Sebastian, over the years has been such an honor. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think it's, I think both of your stories are why, like fascinating. And I think illustrate that even if it's not a direct thing, that's like, you know, really upfront, it's mental health or suicide, I think is impacted. It touches everyone, you know, you can't really, and it's interesting too, with, I think I resonate with that story. I think my dad was very much like that kind of just um, don't show any sort of weakness or emotion. And, and I think those are the, I think, interesting cases too, where there's often, you know, stuff going on beneath the surface. Um, and it's really amazing and beautiful that you now have the skills to, you know, maybe just be, know how to work with that. So uh, it's really cool. So thank you both. I, before we jump into, to, I want to talk about, you know, um, signs and, and what to look out for and, and give people kind of more info on that. But I also, um, I want to just, if you could maybe Yenny share a little bit more about so what is what is CHIP? You've mentioned it a little bit, but and and how does the Suicide Prevention Council fit into that? Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for asking. So um, CHIP's mission is um, CHIP, well, first of all, CHIP is a um, nonprofit local organization here in San Diego County with over 25 years of working in community health. Our mission is to advance long-term sustainable solutions to priority health needs. And we do that by collaborating, working together, and really engaging the community to be able to advocate to make these solutions get implemented and make some long-term changes. And we actually initiated an unfunded suicide prevention work team back in 1999. So before anybody was putting any money on it, we understood that it was something that was impacting the community and something that was a priority um, because we were really on the ground listening to what the community was needing and asking for. And so we brought together an unfunded group and we maintained it for over a decade doing some work without any funding, just you know, from being able to kind of do what we could with different partners that were interested in the same topic. And then in 2010, after seeing that work and being able to gather the data and sort of making the case for really needing at that point real funding to be able to do some real work on the on, on the really countywide level. So in 2010, the County of San Diego Health and Human Services Agency here contracted with us and to facilitate the creation of a countywide suicide prevention action plan. And that was led by a suicide prevention action plan committee that was basically formed from a lot of the people that were working in our um, and our work team on top of extending ourselves out to other partners um, that would be key stakeholders. Then in 2011, um, that action plan was finalized and that committee then realized that in order for that plan to really be implemented, that committee was gonna have to stay active and really keep supporting the implementation of the plan. So now we have this great plan, what are we gonna do with it? So they didn't wanna see it go to waste, they didn't want it to get shelved. And so they advocated for the committee to become the, what, you, what we all now know to be the suicide, San Diego County Suicide Prevention Council. And so that council is now um, obviously extended. It has many more partners. Um, we're really about making sure that everybody feels welcome at the council. So from a person, like everyday person that wouldn't think, how am I going to connect to this big old council to yeah, the head of behavioral health services or the director of scripts um, or the um, director of behavioral health at the center for LGBTQ. Like these are all the different levels of partners. But when we talk about partners, we mean from the person that's feeling it because they lost somebody 
to the person that's running, you know, behavioral health services um, for the major um, institutions or um, different partners that we have here in our county. We really want to make sure because it takes all of us to really make a difference in suicide prevention, working our together resources, leveraging. And with that, um, after working in, in that space and really implementing the action plan in 2016, it was really really, really key to be able to show that that effort was worthy of expanding those efforts. And so in 2016, the county um, offered another opportunity of funding to expand the council, um, update its plan, and really um, continue to move forward with a lot of the great work that the council had done for the previous five years. So we see ourselves now at the end of that, and we are now 11 years, and we updated our action plan in 2016, um, finalized it in 2018. We had over 650 stakeholders from across our county with, um, with more than half of them having had some level of lived experience. So either they helped somebody, they had lost somebody, or they themselves had had thoughts of suicide. And we made sure we covered all of the different areas in our county, the different partners and stakeholders, and that produced for us an action plan that we call the wheel. And it has now nine strategies to help prevent suicide in our county. And it really looks at a life cycle um, approach to suicide prevention. And I'll skip kind of the details of all the different strategies. Um, but um, if you go to our website, www.spcsandiego.org, you can see our updated action plan. You can see all the information on our um, you know, on all the different strategies within that wheel and more of our history. Yeah, but we're definitely proud yeah. to have do all that work. Absolutely. And it's amazing, you know, I've only known about the Suicide Prevention Council for several years, but it's amazing um, to hear this, the story of how it, how it started, um, just from something that you all saw in the community and, and knew it was necessary to tackle and to look at where it is now. And I'll say that as a, I'm kind of like a random, not random, but uh, just an individual that's interested in this stuff. I had no idea about this, this kind of the world of suicide prevention. Um, and then Suicide Prevention Council was one of the first places I went to sort of get involved in the community. And I think what you say is very true that I felt, even though I wasn't part of some bigger, bigger organization, I was welcomed like family and um, it was super, uh, it was just welcoming environment. And I met, I've met so many people and it's been such a great, great resource for me. It continues to be a great resource for, for me. And so you all are doing incredible work. Thank you. That's honestly the biggest goal, you know, for me and my team is just for people that just don't know, you know, kind of, Hey, I just kind of want to know more and come into something and just really be able to have the council be, um, feeling that exact feeling, you know, we really want people to come in, feel like family, use our resources and be able to connect to others and be able to really push that work forward because you, you start to connect and know what everybody else is doing. So, you know, you, we're so much better at helping people because we actually know the other person that might be able to support them in those needs. So, I mean, for us here, we're proud to share, you know, that we're actually one of the few counties in the state of California that even has an action plan for suicide prevention and this great collaborative effort, um, you know, to put this into action. So we really pride ourselves in staying sort of ahead of the curve, innovating, but still listening to the needs of the community and making sure that they're um, really there with us, you know, hand in hand. Yeah, no, it's, it's great work, great work. I, uh, yeah, it's, 
I'm, I'm uh, yeah, again, grateful to be, have you all here. Uh, it's really cool. I want to, I want to um, shift gears a little bit. It's, I think, helpful to understand the, the con, like what CHIP is and what the Suicide Prevention Council is. Um, I want to shift more into like, you know, what to do if people, if, you know, a loved one is dealing with suicidal thoughts or, or if you or a loved one are, is dealing with that. Um, I guess, I, you know, I'd love to hear maybe Laura, if you want to start, I know you're both a wealth of knowledge. So Laura, maybe you can start, but, um, you know, what can people do again on this podcast? We, for context for you all, we mostly talk about like more preventative stuff, like get, you know, healthy boundaries with technology, healthy boundaries with social media, getting out into nature, moving your body, which is all very important. I look at it as like really early prevention, sort of suicide prevention stuff. But when people are really dealing with a crisis, they're this is on their mind. They're thinking about it when suicide is on their mind. Uh, you know, what are some things that that people can do, or what signs that people can look out for? Definitely, and. Um... When we talk about mental health, when we talk about suicide prevention, um, sometimes it's still a little bit stigmatized or taboo or even um, a very fearful topic to even address, um, even if they notice signs or they feel like somebody might be suicidal. Um, but what is important to know is that um, those people are hurt or in pain. Um, and a lot of our jobs require us to respond to those situations um, when it comes to our physical health. We know CPR, we know first aid, but um, mental health and suicide prevention are just as important. And um, what we want to do is really normalize the conversation about suicide and suicide prevention. Um, we don't want to shy away from addressing how one might be feeling emotionally or what they might going, what they might be going through um, when it comes uh, down to suicide. Um, so some of those warning signs one might you know notice in an individual, um, maybe they're talking about suicide. They're saying these phrases, I'm thinking about ending my life or I just can't do this anymore. Um, maybe it's behavioral. They're um, kind of withdrawing from their friend circle or their family gatherings. Maybe they're giving away the prized possessions. And sometimes it could be situational too. Um, they might've been going through a very difficult breakup or they just um, found out that their pet died. You know, there's a plethora of reasons why someone might be contemplating suicide, but kind of the first thing we really want to emphasize is ask the question, ask directly about suicide, talk about it. Um, don't, you know, ask like, hey, are you unhappy and kind of leave it at that or wait for somebody else to maybe pick it up um, if they notice too. Uh, we really just want to empower folks to know that you can ask the question and really refer them to resources, which is the biggest key. If you do notice that somebody is going through a crisis, there are plenty of resources here in San Diego County, also nationwide. Um, I know we've mentioned this several times, but calling the Access and Crisis Line um, is another way to kind of uh, get someone to that uh, care, to that next level, um, and really just forwarding uh, their, their kind of path into recovery and to help. Um, and knowing that you're somebody that they can turn to. So being there, being present um, is always gonna be um, a big part of suicide prevention. Um, it's listening to the individual, it's um, walking with them through uh, whatever difficulties that they're experiencing, and then just being someone that they can um, lean on in those times of need. So um, we really wanna focus our attention on, you know, addressing suicide and mental health the same way that we do with our physical health and um, in that same vein, talking about it the same way too. I love it. Yeah, thank you. That's super helpful. And I, I remember, I think it was the first time when I was working on my book about my dad, that's when I got involved in the Suicide Prevention Council. And 
I think the first time I went to a, a meeting, I went to, I found out about a QPR training that was going on like right after the meeting. It was the first or second meeting. And I went to the QPR um, training. That was my first formal suicide prevention training. And that was one of the things, the first things that you all both know, but it was, it was, there was a role play segment with, you know, are you thinking, asking your partner or someone next to you, are you thinking about suicide or are you having suicidal thoughts? And it was such a, I think, helpful thing. And Lori spoke to this, but um, just to be, you're not beating around the bush here. This is a, you know, don't wait for someone to come to you. But I think it's, that's such a huge thing to um, be direct. And and I think it's such a helpful thing to break the stigma and not kind of like, because it's so, so much of this stuff, you know, knowing how it was with my family was so much in the shadows um, and not, and kind of like tiptoed around. And so it's very refreshing to uh, go straight at it. Yeni, I wanted to just open it up to you too, to anything else you wanted to add about, um, you know, signs and symptoms or, or what to do if you or a, a loved one is, is dealing with suicidal thoughts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would just reiterate what Laura said, you know, it really is important to reach out for help. Um, or if you see somebody that's struggling, ask the tough question. Um, if you feel, if you wonder if you should, if you're wondering about it, then you should ask about it. So, if, you know, if you're even in your mind, what's, what's up with that? What's up with him? What's up with her? What's up with they, you know, then, then it's a good time to ask. Um, because what happens is that for a person it's almost like waiting for somebody to ask you um, because that means that they're, they're, they're okay with the answer. Right. And so it doesn't mean that you have to save them. It doesn't mean that you, that if something happens to them, it's on you. It just means that you're actually going to give them an opportunity that maybe they haven't had before for somebody to see them. What happens a lot when you're having thoughts of suicide is that you feel so unseen and so unheard that to just have somebody say, you know, are you okay? Can I call somebody for you with you? You know, and so the access and crisis line is not just for if you are in a crisis, but if it's if you need access, if you need to help somebody and you don't know how, you can call them yourself. Um, and I've done this before for my own uh, friend, you know, where I had to call the access and crisis line because my friend was in another city and I couldn't be there, but I could sort of triage and help send help. And so I called the access and crisis line. I called some friends that were there local. And they basically help, you know, they help me to sort of um, understand what can be done. And then they helped me and supported me in helping her. And I was able to save her from a, um, a really tough moment that she was having in life. And so um, I highly suggest, you know, that you save this number, you know, grab your phone right now, 888-724-7240. That's the one for you if you're here locally in San Diego. If you are outside of San Diego, one 800 273-8255. Go ahead and lock it in your phone now so that you just have it ready. You know, it's one of those where you don't want to have to use it, but you know that you know it, right? And you have it um, readily available. They're 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They do multiple languages available. So, you know, even if your family is, you know, from a different country and you're thinking, how do I help? There's actually multiple languages available. You can connect with actual mental health clinicians that are ready to talk. So, you know, and for things that are a little bit lower, you can connect with peer support as well, and they can help triage you to some um, other resources. And so uh, it's something where, like I said, you don't have to be in a crisis. You can just seek some advice, some resources. Um, if you're having a bad day and you need to chat, they also have chat services. 
where you can actually, is, is it calling somebody is too much, right? Sometimes it's easier to chat with somebody um, via text or, um, or online. So there's also options for, for chat and you can go to, um, it's up to sd.org to access um, all of that information. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I, one thing I wanted to ask was that, you know, sometimes people think that if you ask the question about suicide, are you feeling, uh, are you feeling, are you having thoughts of suicide or you, um, that it's going to, if they're not thinking about it, it's going to maybe plant the seed of, or they're going to all of a sudden start thinking about it. Right. And I think I want to just kind of put that out, you know, what's your, your take on that? Or if, if someone's thinking that. Um, that's one of the common myths about suicide, and that's learned through what you mentioned, Sebastian, at that question, persuade, refer, QPR training. Um, so a lot of people struggle to want to ask the question or talk about it for fear of what you mentioned. You know, I'm going to put that idea in their head and they're going to uh, go ahead and do something um, pretty devastating. But um, in actuality, many folks already have that idea in their head. They're actually maybe waiting for someone to address um, how they're how they're feeling, um, those behaviors that they're exhibiting and um, asking directly about suicide will actually lower that um, kind of anxiety, opens up a line of a communication and really just start that conversation because that is something that they've been contemplating, but maybe they're waiting for someone else to take notice of those signs that they might be giving off. So um, more times than not, it's never going to be, I'm going to be giving them that idea. It's now I'm somebody that you can talk to about what you're thinking about in your head and you can go to me because I can openly discuss this with you. So it is a very common myth, um, but that's, uh, we wanna kind of eliminate that uh, thought so that folks feel more um, ready and comfortable to speak on the subject of suicide um, with a loved one or someone that they're concerned about. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's great to know. And I think as you as you both have said, it's I think people feel seen when they're asked more directly. Um, and it can be a, a big relief in a way to be, uh, to be seen like that. I wanted to ask, um, you know, the crisis stuff is really important. And um, I wanted to get your take too on, you know, do you have any kind of like recommendations or tips or tools to be um, more proactive, to be able to be like more proactively staying on top of mental health? Like um, other things that this, these could even be like things that you, you both find helpful um, when you're not in crisis, but you're kind of feeling like you're sort of going in that direction just to kind of stay on top of it. Do you have any um, tips or tools or recommendations? Yeni, maybe I'll start with you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the notes. Um, yeah, so, you know, funny enough, or I, or I should say, yeah. So um, obviously with this pandemic, right, we've all been, all of our mental health has been challenged. Um, I think it's for the first time in history that we all have a collective understanding that we can all be pushed to the edge of, you know, our, of what we think we can manage and handle um, in life and in our mental, in our mental sphere. And so, you know, although people thought that the pandemic was going to lead to a lot of suicides and increase of just people not being able to take it, we actually saw a big decrease in our suicide numbers, not just um, here locally, but, you know, even at a national level and people sort of ask, you know, how could that be? We're all so on edge and, uh, and against each other and upset and trapped. Right. And how could that be? And so a lot of it is actually because people were together because people 
were spending a lot of time together. And so what suicide comes out of isolation and loss of hope, you know, where you feel like you're, like I was saying, you're alone. And so with everything that's happened, I think that the one amazing thing is that now that that stigma hasn't gone away, but I think people are a little bit more open to even talking about it, to even saying to another person that they're feeling some sort of kind of way. And for some people, it's pushed them over the edge of what they thought they could normally handle. And for me, that was the case. So, you know, overall, I've never, um, I've never had mental health care or, or anything like that. But the pandemic came and I felt like, oh, this is that feeling that I've been talking and teaching and preaching about to everybody. Like when you feel like you're just against the wall. And I felt like, all right, well, I got to start implementing all the things I've been talking about and all the things that I've been working yeah. on, right? And all the things that I offer to everybody. And so literally when you ask that question, I'm like, these are all the things that I do and been doing um, since that happened. And it's things like, and I know it sounds cliche, but you rotate all of these different things throughout your throughout your days, throughout your weeks, throughout your months. And it's about eating, eating different. So for me, I was eating a lot of sugars and breads and I dropped that. So it was just kind of like, or, and then I eliminated sort of nighttime snacking um, because that was really sort of impacting me. I started to not drink alcohol anymore. Um, you know, I took that off the plate. And so I just kind of picked a few things. So it doesn't mean that I had to alter my whole like reality, but I picked the things that were sort of making me the most sort of in a cycle, leading me into things that I wasn't happy about. And I, one at a time, I didn't do it all at once, but I started eliminating things. And then I started implementing things like um, yoga, meditating through YouTube, like things that were really easy, like go on YouTube TV or go on YouTube and put a five minute meditation. I would at night um, go to apps like, um, and I had to plug them, but like, really, they're really helpful for me, like Calm, mm -hmm. um, like Headspace. Like really, these apps. We're not anti. We're not. Basis. We're not anti you know, the apps. So, we're not anti the apps. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. but they're helpful, right? And so yeah. for me, I'm like, this is really how I live. Like all in the morning, instead of, you know, stressing about the meeting for the day, I'll literally play like a work meditation piece that they have already decked out and ready for you to just play one day after the other. And it just, you know, and so that rotation of things, um, getting out into nature actually, because of all the things I learned from you and your presentation and the work that you brought to the council, I was able to really go back out and say, all right, we need to go into nature. We really need to get our kids back out there in places where they had open space, um, you know, taking them back to the zoo, um, just doing things, um, the aquarium, you know, just kind of getting back into the things that, you know, make you happy, the sunshine, the sun hitting your face. And so, implementing a lot of those pieces and then when things got really bad like and you start to know that your check engine light those things start kind of tapping out because that did happen to me well, you know well let's be honest right these things can only go so far and then at some point I started feeling like I think I need to start talking to somebody because I'm sort of running out of things that can take care of the day-to-day -day, like the yoga the working out the food the friends I started going out with my friends a lot during the pandemic, you didn't see anybody. So I started finding safe ways to see my friends, go walk at Seaport, you know, masked up with a little bit of space between us. Um, so seeing friends and family, calling virtually, started doing a lot of these things. And these are things that still work now, right? So even without the big pandemic on top of me, I do all these things, but I started to look for a therapist. You know, I was kind of like, all right, this is, you know, if I really want to prevent like a, a breakdown or, you know, something worse, I can feel now that this is the time 
because I'm not at the point where I feel like I, I I'm, oh, it's this bad, but it's a point where, hey, let's recognize that I can use some additional help now. So I did. I reached out. I started talking to partners and friends about, hey, do you know somebody? Like get a referral, right? Because that's the biggest concern. How am I going to find somebody that will mesh with me in a therapist level? Um, and so, yeah, you know, and, you, and I've been trying it out. I've, you know, I have a few, like four or five sessions. I, I have one actually uh, tomorrow or next week. So, you know, kind of doing that. And that's been really helpful. So pretty much anything and everything under the tool belt of, of self-care and supporting yourself and just not being afraid to reach out and talk about it with other people. I think that was hard for people to hear me say that I was reaching out for help, but I'm like, no, this is what I do. And so walk the walk and talk the talk, right? I was like, I know what the tools are. I know what I need to do and it's helping. Totally. Yeah. That's, I mean, lots of many, many wonderful points there. And I think it's really important the, I appreciate your, you know, your vulnerability to share that, but important that someone in a sort of leadership position, especially doing the work you do, there can be this, like, no, I don't think at your, the company culture is this way, but there can be this thing that you have to have it all together all the time. Um, and That's so I think perception. it's, yeah, like if you're, you're a suicide prevention trainer, you can't be struggling. Um, so to be living it, walking the walk is, um, really great. And I know that's going to be, uh, I mean, great for lots of people to hear and then great for people to see at your, at, uh, at chip to see that you don't have to be a, you know, superhero or like no issues to, to be doing this work. Yeah. And, you know, real. we've unfortunately, and we've lost, uh, partners, you know, to suicide. Mm. And that's, that's really hard because you think to yourself, well, you had the resources right there and you knew what to do. Why didn't you do it? And you don't want it to be because of the stigma that, you know, around this expectation that we're all just have it together, you know, and it's like, and having it together. And the interesting part is that suicide is from a lot of things packed up over each other. It's not just kind of like, oh, now I want to hurt myself or kill myself. And so the more that you can take care of all the little fires that are happening, you know, or the little concerns that you're having, then it won't build up into, you know, feeling those bigger, stronger feelings, you know, if you kind of try to really work through the smaller ones while you can before they pile up. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent points all around. Laura, anything, I mean, that was pretty comprehensive, but anything you want to add from your own um, experience or practice, I guess? Yeah. Um, you know, this past year of the pandemic, a lot of stressors emerged. And one of the things that was very activating for me was anytime you get a news alert or see something uh, on TV or even a headline that was just wow, there's so much going on. So I actually try to give myself a cleanse from some of those um, kind of media that uh, was very activating. So um, I recommended for myself, like just turn off your phone um, for X amount of hours. Just don't take a look at, you know, a headline or the, your, your laptop or your computer so that you can, you know, just take time for yourself. And um, with that, it's kind of included um, more of a routine on, on my end. So we always hear the term self-care and sometimes folks brush it off like, oh, you know, it's if I have time for it, but you need to make time for it. You need to be intentional about it. Um, So similar to what you do every day, you brush your teeth, you make your bed, you eat. Um, There's about, you know, some time all embedded throughout your, your days where you can have five minutes of just taking a walk outside, five minutes of, um, texting a friend. And um, that's something that's really gotten me through at least the this past year and a half or so is just 
staying connected with others. So if I found myself in kind of an overwhelming position, um, I knew about three or four people that I could turn to, even if it was just through FaceTime, even if it was just through text, it was a little bit more of a, I find solace in a person that can hear me out, can hear me vent, provide me with advice, or even just make me laugh. So just finding a good support network that, um, you know, doesn't, um, that will be there for you during your times of, you know, happiness and, you know, excitement. And then also those times where you're overwhelmed and stressed and they can hear you and be that sounding board. So uh, just to add on, you know, including self-care as part of your routine um, and then also finding those uh, go-to people um, when you're feeling overwhelmed and um, staying a little bit disconnected. I know we've learned a lot about that through you, Sebastian, and just um, finding ways to put your phone um, out of your vicinity and then just take some time for yourself. Yeah, very, very nature and pledge aligned. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, uh, all great tips. That's really um, great stuff all around. Okay, so I wanna, we're kind of coming to the end of our time together and I wanted to, I put this out there at the end of the episodes. Obviously there's been, I think a lot of very tangible tips, but I always like to do kind of one final challenge to our listeners. And I wanted to put it out there to you both to see if you had any challenge to um, our listeners today. Um, so I'll, I'll start with my challenge and then I know Laura okay. will have her own little challenge. So you'll get a two for one challenge. Double challenge. Um, okay, double challenge. Double challenge. Double challenge week. Um, so my challenge to everybody watching is to start the conversation. So you know, um, share about this podcast with a family or a friend or someone, you know, whether it's someone that you're concerned about or just someone that you know that you've never talked about this before um, in general. I think it would be a, a great a great way to sort of uh, be able to not just, you know, learn more about it and about the other person and where their, you know, where their feelings are about it, but just to be able to share with them what you've heard here and the resources that are available. And that's already a big step because it'll show them that, you know, you're a good resource for them and someone that they can trust to come to if anything does arise. Um, so you'll be a good resource. So that is my, uh, my challenge for everybody. Awesome. Yanni. I love it. Start the conversation. Yeah. Share the resources. I love it. Okay. Thank you. And Laura, how about you? Sure. So maybe you may not know how to start the conversation or know those resources. So um, if you want to, you know, be prepared for that, we really challenge you all to take a suicide prevention training. So we've mentioned this a couple of times before. Uh, we have what's called question, persuade, refer, or QPR. Um, there's suicide prevention gatekeeper trainings, about 90 minutes in length, free for anybody here in San Diego County. And they're avail available virtually um, on a monthly basis through CHIP and the Suicide Prevention Council. And you can take one um, once a month um, with us um, by visiting our website, www.spcsandiego.org. And you can see uh, a list of our upcoming trainings. And in that 90 minutes, you'll learn about suicide data. You'll dispel myths about suicide. You'll learn about the warning signs. You'll also learn how to use those three steps, question, persuade, refer, to help save a life. And following that, um, we answer any questions that you might have. And um, after you take that training, you should feel empowered to be able to ask the question, start that conversation, and then also find um, ways to refer resources to others. So highly recommend that. And you can go again to our website, www.spcsandiego.org to take that training. Wonderful. Yeah, I highly recommend it. To, to, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be specifically working in the world of mental health. It's for everyone, anyone and everyone. 
it's a gatekeeper training, you know, like frontline training, super, super valuable. I got a lot, I got a ton out of it. Um, well, awesome. Well, um, that wraps it up. You know, anything, anything you want to share before we, we kind of formally close out? I just want to thank you also. Thank you again for taking the time to be here. I know you have a lot going on. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just as we mentioned earlier, this the more the merrier for us. It does take all of us to be able to help prevent suicide. So we do, if, you know, if any of this sparked any interest in you and to learn more about the council to participate, you know, the more people that are part of our council, the stronger the force um, to be able to get to our goal of zero suicides in our county. So we definitely want you to join us, connect with us. Um, the SPC is open to everybody. Um, we have monthly meetings on the fourth Tuesday from 10 to 1130. They're via Zoom. So it doesn't matter where you are, you can join in. And you can connect with a network of over 75 partners that are all in different aspects of mental health and suicide prevention here in San Diego County. We have eight active subcommittees that you can join or be a part of that are more intimate, our assessment and evaluation, media, schools for K through 12, higher education, faith organization outreach, our priority populations and communities, means reduction and postvention. So, you know, please come join us and um, help us save some lives. Beautiful. Yenny and Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. And that'll do it for this episode of the Nature Unplugged podcast. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, basically wherever you want to get your podcast, you can find it there. Uh, we'd love it if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a ton. And be sure and check out www.natureunplugged.com for more information and resources. We will, of course, share in the show notes. Uh, we'll, we will share the, the links to the Suicide Prevention Council and to CHIP and to the Access and Crisis Line, all that information, the National Lifeline, all that stuff will be there. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Things change like seasons out of our control. If you think you should go, I will let you go